What's up? It's episode 88, Pain Points of Wealth, and we finished the first half of the year. It's the worst start of the year ever since 1970 for the S&P 500, as markets are down close to 20%. In the meantime, inflation remains high. The Fed is going to continue to tighten their monetary policy. What does this all mean for the second half of the year? Well, the answer may surprise you. We're going to break it down for you today. And on the tipping point today, since we're just passing the 4th of July weekend, we're going to talk about financial independence. What do you need to be independent of to be financially independent? We're going to break it down and give you your path to financial freedom. Do it the right way. Stay right there. We got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, Ryan, I find it hard to believe that we're in a recession. I just talked to a bunch of my clients this week. One just bought a new shore house. Another one of my clients bought a brand new car. And every single one of my clients has some kind of trip planned this summer. So people are spending money like crazy. What's up with that? Man, man, I wish I hung out the same people Chris does. That's the problem, right? It's been Chris's clients all along. They keep chasing these prices, right? That no matter how high the price goes, they're buying a house, a car, they're going on vacations. You know, that does cause more inflation. But I'll tell you what, I'm starting to see signs that, you know, what the Fed's been trying to do, which is to really cool off this red hot economy, is actually working. But unfortunately, it's taking the stock market down with it. We're down to the worst start in the history of the Russell 2000. It's the worst start since 1970 in the Dow and the NASDAQ. And I don't know, has crypto ever had a good start? I don't think so. Had a lot of good starts, but right now you're seeing a lot of what we would call deleveraging and a lot of these speculative markets. And it's an interesting time because, you know, all of a sudden the media starts to panic. Oh my God, things are slowing down. Well, that's the point. That's what the Fed wanted to do. Now, if the Fed was raising rates and the economy wasn't slowing down, that would be the problem. Yet for some reason, some way, somehow, the media always spins it negatively. We can't win. And I'd argue these are all positives, right? Like that's what the Fed intended to do. They wanted to slow the economy down a little bit because it's red hot, like you just said, Bob. And it's actually happening. This is not bad. This is good. Well, we just have to hope that they know when to take their foot off the brake. But it's really hard to trust this Fed, even though I think they've been doing a pretty decent job. They were dead wrong on inflation. They kept telling it was transitory. But I think the real story there was Jerome Powell just wanted to get the job. Now they got the job. Now he's very hawkish, which means he wants to keep raising rates. But what the Fed says and what the Fed does are always two different things. So you can't guarantee that they're going to continue to raise interest rates. I think they're going to start looking at some of these numbers, like the ISM data that came in the other day that was it's getting close to that 50 number, right, guys? I think above 50 is expansive. Anything below is contraction. I think we're clearly contracting this economy right now. Just have to see some sign from the Fed that they get it. And once they do, I think we're back off to the races. You know what, Bob? I really like your more libertarian views now. Don't trust the government. Don't trust the Fed, right? This is my property. Get off of it. But you're right. You're right. We don't really know exactly what the Fed's going to do. You can't trust them because they've been talking at both sides of their mouth this whole time as we've gone through this whole pandemic. Now this massive recovery. Now they're trying to cool off the economy. But I think, you know, bottom line is, to your point, Bob, is when the market does recover, and we saw this back in the, during the pandemic, is the economic news is not going to be ahead of what the stock market does. It's the other way around. The market's going to start to recover way before the news gets better, just like the market started to sell off before things started to slow down in the economy. So it's kind of like you don't want to wait 
because once we have clarity and we know what's going to happen, you know, all the opportunity is gone right at that point. And I think that's what investors are doing right now. They're sitting in cash or they're sitting in their tech stocks trying to figure out what to do, paralysis by analysis. And one of the greatest opportunities we've had in years is going to pass you by if you're not proactive here. Well, you know what, right? That goes along with a lot of what I'm hearing from my clients, you know, especially now we just had dividends paying, you know, at the end of the quarter and everybody's saying, well, why don't we just leave it in cash for now? You know, let's just sit in cash. Let's see what happens. And, you know, I think that's the most dangerous thing because to your point, Rye, when things turn around, it makes your head spin, turns around really quickly and you miss the opportunity. Well, I'm really shocked the way the financial media just grabs onto every negative headline. They take everything that's bad and exacerbate it by making it sound even worse. China, for example, is coming out of their COVID shutdown. Instead of like, oh, that's going to really help the supply chain disruptions. That's going to really help the global economy. No. Oh, my God, that demand's going to push oil at $200 a barrel. So everything, they take every bit of news and they spin it negatively. And of course, when your portfolio's down, your statement's down, you tend to start to view those headlines with a little more attention than you normally would. And it really does force you to think negatively. And that's where you got to be careful. You got to think in terms of, wow, the values are better now than they were in the last six months. You actually have bond yields that are attractive. So there's lots of opportunity being created, but the news media wants you to think that it's never, ever going to get better. No, Bob, it's like you said, there's not a lot of rich pessimists out there. You know, it's better to be an optimist. And to your point, you know, they use that term green shoots back in the day, which is actually a horrible term to me. There's green shoots out there. But there really is, right? Like you said, you know, China's coming out of lockdown, which is great for the global economy. If you look at stock buybacks this year, because companies are seeing with so much cash, they're going to have like $600 billion worth of stock buybacks the first half of the year. It's going to be over a trillion dollars over the year. Meanwhile, dividend yields are going up. So stocks are extremely cash flow rich right now. And I mean, that's a huge part of your return long term, right? We talk about dividends a lot on this show. But dividend yields are going up this year as inflation's going up. And invariably, those dividend increases over time and increasing cash flow investment is one of your best safeguards against inflation. So it's not really about what prices are doing in the short term here, but it's like over this year, next year, the extrapolate that out to the next couple of years, that cash flow is going to continually go up and should beat inflation if we look at history. Well, you can't get that cash flow unless you're participating. Yeah, I think the big surprise is going to be how good earnings are. You know, I mean, that. Hey, look, we all hate going to the gas pump and, you know, seeing $100, $120 on the screen after we, you know, when we have to pay for the gas or go to the grocery store. But all these prices are being increased, not just because of inflation, a lot of cases because companies can. Uh, I spoke to a client the other day and they said, wow, business is slow. You're not doing as much in volume, but our profit margins are huge because we've been able to increase rates because of the scarcity. People are willing to pay these higher prices and companies are profiting by that. So you have this economy slowing down on the one hand. On the other hand, you have companies that are going to come in with record earnings. Is that why Ryan wants to raise fees so much this year? Hey, Chris, you know, the thing I really have a problem with is Ryan now demands an appearance fee, you know, to come to the office. You know, it's bad enough that he doesn't come to work every day, but now he's demanding an appearance fee. Come on, Bob, we just talked about supply and demand discrepancies. Is it my fault that the world needs more Ryan Payne? It's not my fault. Well, you know what, Dad? I guess there's not the only inflation in the market. There's also the inflation of ego in this podcast, I would say. It goes up by at least 8% a year, I think, if we're a fair estimate. But no, it's a good point. I mean, look at the airlines this summer, right? They're just like conveniently canceling flights as they jack up their prices. Like, you're right. This is great if you're a shareholder, not great if your uh, flight got canceled this past week to go to Bermuda. And I think that's a fair point here. And the other funny thing, because we always like to pick on Wall Street, is these analysts, now the market's down 20 30%, depending on the index. All of a sudden, the analysts now are reducing their estimates for the year Thanks, guys. A little after the fact. 
if they didn't have a wrong opinion, they wouldn't have an opinion right. And that's why, you know, speculating in individual stocks is so hard. I remember when Enron was the hottest stock in the market. I had it in my portfolio, not because I bought it, because my portfolio manager bought it for me. And, you know, you could have studied that stock all day long and not known that there was fraud involved and the stock went to zero. So, you know, these analysts are just working with information being provided by the company. How do you know the company's honest? You really don't. That's why it's so important to not have your, all your eggs in one, a few baskets, you know, a couple of stocks, because any stock can go to zero. Market never does. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 88, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I literally have been doing this for a collective 75 years. That's a lot of time. And this is all we do. It's all we think about every single day. So what we'd like to offer is if you have over a million dollars saved for retirement, Bob, Chris, and I will put together our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. We do a limited amount of reviews every week, but we'll literally go through everything for you. We'll do a full analysis of your portfolio, a full audit. We'll actually build you your own personalized financial portal so you get a big picture view of your entire financial life. We'll hone in on every issue you have. We'll look at the fees that you're paying, show you how to reduce the cost on all those high-cost brokerage products, annuities. Or an independent firm will give you an unbiased opinion of why you were sold the products that you were sold or bought. And we'll look at taxes. Money saved in taxes is just as green as any money you can make invested. We'll give you our full tax playbook to optimize your portfolio for taxes. We'll do a full income plan to make sure you're on track for your path in financial independence. And we'll literally go through your diversification. What risks are you taking in your portfolio? Do you need to further diversify? Or are you sitting in cash earning nothing? Paralysis by analysis. We're going to put together a full investment strategy to show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. We do a limited amount every week. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan. If you have over a million dollars saved for retirement, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, we just celebrate the July 4th weekend. It's great to be at the beach. Bob, love to see your element. Bob's on permanent vacation for any of the listeners out there that don't know that. While Chris and I just hustle every day and work hard, Bob's in paradise all the time. But that's another story altogether. But I thought, you know, in the spirit of the Independence Weekend, I talk about financial freedom today and we could talk about what we want to be free from to truly be financially independent. You know, guys, on the 4th of July, I celebrate every year my independence from the government. That's what you want to have. You definitely want to be independent from the government. You want to maximize your Social Security from them, but you want to pay the least amount of tax possible. And you know what blows my mind? How many tax-inefficient portfolios we review almost daily. But when you said independence from the government, again, I was thinking libertarian. You're, you got your gun. You're living on your land. No gun, buddy. No gun. I think Dad just wants to start simple. Take things down like traffic lights. Uh, yeah, right. No, you take traffic lights down. No, but I think, you know, the bottom line is within the confines of the law, there are so many little tweaks you can make to your portfolio, right? And it's always little tweaks and not like big sweeping changes that have a dramatic impact on your portfolio long term where you can save just so much money in taxes and none of you do those little tweaks. To me, it's just those little, little adjustments that you make that have the biggest impact on your financial life. Yeah, for example, so many investors put money into taxable CDs where they could be buying tax-free municipal bonds. Many of you don't maximize the contributions you can make to retirement plans. If you have a, a small business, you can set up your own self-employed pension plan. There's lots of ways to shelter your hard-earned money from the U.S. government and from the state government, too. There's ways to eliminate state income tax. 
So it's tax efficient is the word that you have to have with your portfolio. I can't stamp that on a lot of the portfolios we see every week, guys. That's a very good point, Dad. But you know, this is also about being independent from the government. And you know, if you look at projections for most of our clients, they're not going to be able to live just off Social Security. They're going to need other sources of income. You know, as a matter of fact, when I'm doing planning right now for anybody who's under 50, I don't even include Social Security. Yeah, because we're going to be like 80 by the time we're eligible for Social Security. So it's probably good to leave that out of there. But you know, the crazy thing too is like I've run this analysis for clients is those little tweaks from a tax perspective can be hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings not paying to Uncle Sam over the rest of your life, just being cognizant of what the rules are and those little tweets you can make. Like this is something you have to exploit and most of you don't do this in your financial independence plan. And it's crazy to me because this is like literally what we think about every single day. Well, I'll tell you another thing, guys. Not one client I've ever worked with wanted to end up becoming a burden on their children. So independence from family is another thing we want to celebrate on the 4th of July. Not that you don't want your kids around, but you don't want to be sleeping on your son's or daughter's couch you know, in your golden years. So you want to be certain that you have a plan in place that just accounts not just for the income you need, but for the inflation that now we're seeing, you know, rear its ugly head in this uh, current economy. Well, Dad, I actually heard Ryan has no problem being a burden on his parents. I was just going to say, Bob, Chris's couch is open, mine's not. So you're covered. No problem there. But no, it's true, right? I mean, the biggest fear we have is the fear of running out of money, right? If you talk to most of the clients that we sit down with and the folks we sit down with, that's really what it comes down to. Like, you don't want to be a burden on anybody else. You want to make sure that you're accounting for, you know, what we call that big insidious tax called inflation. Cost of living is going to go up. You got to be concerned about healthcare costs. I mean, the list goes on and on. And this is where projections are just so helpful, right? It's like throw the kitchen sink at your financial plan. Always look at worst case scenario. Then surprises tend to be in the positive over the rest of your life. Like I've seen this over my 20 years is we always plan for the worst. And the projections always end up being way better than we expected five years later, 10 years later, just because we stack the cards against you. It's like a critical component to building that plan. Well, you know, I always say, guys, scared money never wins. And there's a lot to be afraid of today. There's a lot of fear being created on the part of the economy, on the part of, you know, the war in, with Russia and Ukraine. And you have oil prices going through the roof. So there's lots of reasons for people to be concerned, which causes a lot of fear. And the problem with fear is it causes you to do nothing when doing something is what you really should be doing. So having a plan, having some certainty by doing wealth projections to see that you can outlast your money, that your money will grow against inflation is something that very few people do. I mean, all of our clients get to do that every year because it's critical. But it's amazing when I ask a new client or a prospective client to see a copy of their financial plan, to see the latest wealth projection their stockbroker or insurance agent ran for them. They look at me like I have four heads. I have a very large head, but not four. No, it's true. It's a good point because I mean, th I think the other issue is it's like there's so many things that you can do proactively, so many actions you can take to really stack the cards in your favor. Like, I mean, having an income plan, right? Knowing the amount of income that's going to come in every year is so much better than having to be reliant on the ups and downs of the market. Like we're learning right now, markets are very fickle. And you don't predict ahead of time what those moves are going to be, even though Wall Street loves to tell you they can. But it's just so much more helpful if you know I have X amount of income coming in every year. That's so much more consistent and reliable than what capital markets are going to do. And you can tweak your portfolio, your financial plan, so it's more income driven. And we look at 50 portfolios a month. Most of you don't do that. And you just add so much more stress to your life that you don't need to have. It drives me crazy. Well, you know what, right over the last week, I've done uh, four different reviews with four different clients. And you know everybody's got the same concern about where the market's going. And the thing that we discovered doing these reviews is that every single one of them in retirement is going to be able to live off just the interest and dividends that the portfolios are generating. Yeah, and the income's going up this year. 
you, if you have an increasing cash flow investments in your portfolio that goes up over inflation, like it's really hard to ruin that plan if you do it right. Well, you know, the R word's been bandied about on Wall Street for the last couple of months, and it's all you hear on the nightly news. We may very well already be in a recession, but, you know, I think a lot of you don't realize that we just had a recession in 2020. You know, it was only two years ago. We had a major recession. And what happened since then? Portfolio values have gone up, even with this correction in the first half of this year. And income has gone up, as you said, right? Our clients have higher income coming in now than they did two years ago because dividends were increased. Interest rates have gone up, so the bonds are being reinvested at a higher interest rate. So the whole idea of independence is independence from volatility, and that's kind of a mindset that you have to adopt. And it really helps if you have a plan that shows that number one, you're not going to run out of money, and number two, that your money's going to continue to grow and compound net of inflation and taxation over your lifetime. Yeah, and it's kind of like that GPS, right? Because if you're following the GPS through the storm, it just makes life so much easier because you still know where you're going. And I think right now it's where it's most critical because if you don't have a set plan in place, you don't know exactly where you're going, it's just like a leaf blowing in the wind. And that's awful when you have this kind of volatility not to know where your North Star is or you know true north is. And that's the whole idea. The anchoring of a plan does that. Like if you know where you're going, you've set the plan already, these storms are just not as bad, right? It's just not as stressful. And we see that because again, we look at like 50 portfolios a month and we know a lot of what you have are a collection of investments. And those collection of investments don't tend to hold up as well when you have these downturns as to someone who's been proactively planning and everything you own is tied to those goals. It just makes life so much easier. Yeah, you know, as everybody's getting ready to go on vacation, right? They're getting that revenge trip in from the COVID lockdown. You know, they plan it, right? They plan when they're going to go, where they're going to start from, how they're going to get there, how long it's going to take. You got to do the same thing. You know, you need to have a financial GPS. You got to know where you are right now. You got to know where you're going. And you got to know how long it's going to take you to get there. You know what they say? Most of us don't plan to fail. We just fail to plan. Have a GPS to show you how to get to your goals right now. Hey. Hope you're enjoying episode 88, Pain Points of Wealth. We're almost up to 100,000 downloads. Thank you for the support. Please give us that support. Give us that five-star ratings on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. On YouTube, you can click that like button for this video. Click that notification bell. You can be updated every week for all our new content. Your support gives us the ability to still do this podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, topics you'd like to talk about, write it. Let us know. We're happy open to do any type of topic you want to talk about financially speaking. Thanks for the support. It's been a very, very successful podcast because of you. Please give us the support. Like our podcast. Love our podcast. Don't be shy. Pass it along. Thanks for listening to episode 88, Pain Points of Wealth. All right. It's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob. As the most downloaded app for 2021, TikTok has surged to a billion plus global users. It raked in almost $4 billion last year in 2021, mostly from ads, and is projected to hit $12 billion this year. That's a lot of growth. The Chinese app may have less users than Facebook slash Instagram, but its average user in the U.S. now spends about 29 hours a month with the service, more than the other two combined. That's called creative destruction, where I'm coming from. Hey, guys, you know, like what this tells me is that there's another app out there that Bob's not going to watch. You know, I don't have a Facebook account. I'm on Instagram only to see pictures of my grandson. And TikTok, I've never used it. But it does make me wonder, what's going to be the next app, right? What's going to replace TikTok? There's always going to be something newer, better, faster. And that's why you have to be invested in a diversified portfolio because you can't project the future based on past performance because it only tells you 
100% with accuracy what the past performance was, you don't know what's going to be replaced and what technology company is going to come and eat your lunch tomorrow. Well, Dad, I think I actually know what the next popular app is, and your grandson Liam invented it. It's called Pop Pop. <laughs> I'm all for it, Chris. All right, Chris. As for speculative grade debt bond funds, aka junk bonds, it's been a dreadful first half of the year. Don't say we didn't warn you. With the popular iShares, iBox, high yield corporate bond exchange traded funds suffering a negative total 13% negative return so far this year through June 22nd. Man, oh man, that's a lot of risk for owning bonds. Wait, Ryan, what are you talking about? This bond yields almost 8%. That's pretty darn good. Although I think the downside is there's a potential because it is a quote unquote junk bond that you might not get your money back. Yeah, beware if you're getting a really high yield on something that you're actually gonna get your principal back because you're probably not. Bob, Paul McCartney's total reported career gross has now surpassed the billion dollar mark, making him one of the just 11 artists to surpass the mark in box scores 30 year plus history. It's good to be a Beatle or ex-Beatle. Well, you know, it's about time. I mean, their first album came out in 1963. What took them so long? Bob's not impressed. Chris, of the 30 fastest 100-meter sprint times, 21 were run by athletes who actually tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. The other nine were Usain Bolt. Well, you know what, right? It just goes to show you don't need performance-enhancing drugs to set records. As a matter of fact, there's a member of this podcast that still holds records at his high school, but I suspect that's because that high school is no longer open. <laughs> or they're doing it in yards and not meters. So, Bob, you do have some records. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, they're, as Chris said, they were set and then the school closed. So nobody can ever break them. Can't touch that, Bob. No, I can't touch that. But you know what? We did have performance-enhancing drugs back then. It was called Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And you ran in uh, Converse Chuck Taylors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another great podcast. I hope you enjoyed episode 88, Pain Points of Wealth. Give us some love. Give us that five-star ratings on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube right now, please give us a like. Click the subscribe button. Click that notification bell so you can be updated every week of all our new content. We appreciate your support. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.